0: Well, it may well be Labor Day, and today is indeed Monday. It's also the day before school goes back, and at this time on Mondays, we often talk pretty well regularly to Sarah Dimmerman. And she is somebody who uh, can be reached on the Internet at helpmesarah.com and also writes in the Globe and Mail, you see here on television, and she's here with us. Sarah, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are
0: you doing? I'm good. So to, the fact today is Labor Day Monday means that tomorrow, for most kids, not every single one, but right. many of them, is back-to-school day. And that, of course, causes various degrees of anxiety for kids and kids and for parents. And let's let's start with the kids. Uh, you wrote an interesting column in the Globe and Mail a week or so ago uh, where you sort of divided them up and started with the little kids right. uh, and said they're more likely to have butterflies and to be nervous in a different kind of context and right. complain about butterflies in their tummy. Right. Um, I guess the, the the key is really not so much how they express it or how they describe it, but what do they do about it or what do the parents do for those little kids going to primary school tomorrow or later this right. week.
1: right. So yeah and, and and we can't forget about the teachers because I have a lot of teachers that are clients and they share their darkest secrets with me. But they share with each other, too, that they are just as nervous as the kids for tomorrow. Really? Oh, they are unbelievably And that's veteran nervous. teachers, too, like they, including... They, yeah, I've heard that teachers, even if they've been teaching for 30 years, are just as nervous as the day that they started. Because every year is a new year. They're starting with a whole bunch of new kids. They don't know how the, the, everybody's going to gel together. They, they have to kind of establish themselves in front of the classroom, too, especially those that are working with, you know, more of the teen population, maybe. So, yeah, the teachers are really nervous, and I even had some tweets when I was on CTV a couple of weeks ago talking about this topic from the teachers saying, hey, don't forget about us. So I, just I will wanna, we'll come back to I them. Just, exactly. So the little, the little kids, so you talk about the butterflies in the tummy, and you're absolutely right because it's typically the little kids that will talk about how they're feeling rather than the bigger kids. So they might refer to it as butterflies in my tummy, not really knowing why they're feeling nervous. And so parents can, of course, acknowledge that it's normal to feel nervous, especially when you're going back to school, especially when maybe you haven't spent as much time with your friends as you usually do. So you're having to kind of reunite with them Reconnect with them, you haven't seen them for a long time you don't know if you're going to be with your friends because typically you don't know which teacher you're going to have mm-hmm. until you actually stand in the lineup in the in the uh, in the playground their first day and figure out you know which teacher's line you're in
0: although so, now I'm, I'm interested because my own grandchildren I guess they fill out a form which i don't think they ever you know used to let you do this. they filled out a form saying which teacher they wanted to have now it doesn 't guarantee oh, you're going to get it really? uh, so, and they do notify them in the case of my grandson this is in New York region uh, that uh, you Got Miss So and So or Mr. So and So, which I'm I just thought was to hear interesting. That, yeah, yeah.
1: I know that in some of the grades they get them to select which kids they want to be with, mm-hmm. but I've never heard of nope, the select. They asked about the teacher. Wow, that's incredible. They, they tell you, look, I you don't get would, your choice. But yeah, you... it would create maybe a lot of disappointment. That's Possibly. why they don't, because there's so much shuffling during the summer yeah. when people are moving into the neighborhood. So, you know, it may be too late, but maybe not. Ki- parents can still take their kids for a walk around the playground today, just the perimeter of the school, just to reacquaint them with things. Maybe they're going to be in a different playground this year if they're going. To grade one, they may be with like the older kids, whereas last year they were with in the, with the junior and senior kindergartners in the separate kind of penned off playground. So maybe go and and play on the jungle gym and just get a feeling for it. So that would be really great.
0: Yeah, no, and I thought if, this was a very interesting idea. I mean, even now on late on a Monday afternoon, it's you know it's light until eight o'clock. Yeah, you could yeah. take them over and they'll sort of feel a certain sense of uh, familiarity with yeah. the uh, playground and so on when they go the next morning exactly. tomorrow morning.
1: And 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 even though it's too late to start to arrange play dates and have your kids reconnect with them because they need to go to bed early tonight, Um, during the week. You know, make sure that you invite some friends back when homework is not going to be an issue yet. Invite some friends after school as a way of them reacquainting not just in, in the playground, but also... Yeah, you know, on their territory at, at home. All
0: right. Now, uh, you were mentioning earlier on, and of course it's so true, that on a number of accounts, not just about nervousness about going back to school, uh, you know, middle school kids are become less likely. They start yeah. to, and it evolves from there, right. uh, to express their feelings. Uh, but uh, you're more likely to see, uh, you know, some anxiety there too. You describe it in your article in The Globe as jitters as opposed to butterflies.
1: Exactly. So they just feel unsettled, like just, you know, they really don't want to give up what they've been doing during the summer. They're just feeling uneasy about going back to school and, and again, like reacquainting themselves. A lot of them are really nervous about which teacher they're going to get. They may have heard horror stories or rumors about which teacher they shouldn't get. And one of the things that I advised in my column is to talk to them about an experience in your own life, not necessarily about a teacher, but just when you were being introduced to somebody new and you'd been told maybe not so good things about that person. And then you met the person and actually you got along really well. And so to remind your children that just because one child has not gotten along with a teacher doesn't mean that they're not going to get along with that teacher. And instill confidence in the relationship with the teachers. Talk about I'm sure that you're going to work it out. I know that you're resilient. And make sure that your child knows that if things don't work out the way that they're meant to be, then you're going to be there to help brainstorm solutions along a bumpy road.
0: I mean, there is nothing like uh, sort of saying, look, I had that experience too. Exactly. I mean, I often speak now with respect to to young people, a lot of young people with respect to careers. Right. And I say to them, look, I've started different kinds of jobs, very different, like, you know, broadcasting I'd never done before. When I became an executive, I'd never done that uh, because I'd been practicing law. And each time I say to them, look, I was scared
1: Absolutely when I
0: went to the new job thinking, well what if I can't do this and what if I don't know how right. to do it and what if they sort of you know I, mean, I wasn't too worried they're going to laugh at me, but you mm-hmm. sort of think well what if people are kind of behind their, 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 their uh, you know hands smirking at you and you come to realize that that fear is just natural and I think if, if you can use the same different kinds of examples to convey the same sense yeah. to kids it's natural you feel this way exactly. and you'll you'll get over it as it were.
1: The anticipatory anxiety is the biggest, really, with anything. I mean, you anticipate what it's going to be like at the dentist. It's never quite as bad as you imagine. You anticipate what it's going to be like on your first day of school. It's never quite as uh, as bad. And one of the examples that I used in, in the column with my 14-year-old who's about to start high school uh, tomorrow and has been really nervous. And as we've been leading up to this, and she's been spending more time alone at Wonderland this year, which was the first year that she went alone with friends, She shared with me one day, she said, you know, Mom, it's interesting that I always used to look at those huge roller coasters and think I could never go on those. They just look so frightening and intimidating. But she says, you know, they look more scary on the outside than they actually feel when you're actually on them. So I had a bit of a brain epiphany, a brainstorm at that moment. And I said to her, you know, Chloe, I bet you high school is going to be just like that. I bet you it looks much more scary from the outside. When you look at that big building, much bigger than the school that you've been in for the last you know, how many years, eight years or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're frightened of that. But when you're actually inside the building and you meet the teachers and you see that you're reconnected with your friends, I bet it's going to be much different. And, you know, I don't know if it was coincidence or what, but her whole mindset shifted after that. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, last week she went and she registered for, for grade nine. And I just feel like She's not nearly as nervous for tomorrow as she was a couple of weeks ago. Um, So just, again, reminding, using metaphors or using examples, as you said, too, it's so great if you can take what they're saying or use situations in your own life to make them realize that things are not going to be quite as bad at the same time as normalizing the anxiety. So, you know, letting them know that it's normal to feel jittery. It's normal to feel anxious. But I know you're going to get through it, and it's never quite as bad as you imagine it's going to be.
0: Now, I was uh, surprised and very glad that you mentioned it, so I could ask you about it uh, about the teachers right. and the fact that they're nervous too, and it, it kind of stands to reason. I mean, you know, I've yeah. said many times on this program that I think of it as a very difficult, challenging job I to stand so. in front of a room every day with yeah. twenty five or thirty of other people's children, absolutely, uh, and and try to not only teach them but also to you know keep them disciplined and, and right. so on. Uh, what do you tell the teachers when they tell you because they're adults and they're not going to be sort of uh, taking necessarily? the roller coaster, although you could probably use that with an adult too. But what do you say to the teachers when they say they're going to be anxious about first day of school and first week of school and so so on? So
1: if it's a teacher who's a veteran teacher, as you said, say that she's been teaching even for 10 years, I'll ask her to reflect on or him to reflect on what it was like last year and whether he or she was feeling just as nervous this time last year. And typically they say yes. And then I say, well, how long did it take you before you felt less nervous? And they'll usually say, you know, three or four days or until I felt settled, some years better, some years worse. And so I'll kind of guide them back to where they were in previous years and help them to remember that actually within a few days their queasy stomach and the nauseousness that they feel when they wake up the first day starts to subside. And I think going back and remembering that it does ease and again, you know, and I think, you know, the teachers come, what the great thing is, is they probably all congregate together tomorrow morning before school begins and they're all feeling as jittery mm-hmm. as one another. So it's, a you know, about kind of giving each other that hug and saying, are you feeling a little nervous this morning? And they have, they have company. So it's not as if they're walking into a situation and they're completely alone. The first day on the job.
0: No, and I'm sure it's why they. I mean, they have work to do getting the classroom ready, as they will tell yeah. you. And I think yeah. a lot of people say, "Oh, the teachers, you know, they would never work an extra minute." But a lot of them say, have been working this past week oh, getting their classroom ready," and I think that probably helps them a little bit too because they're back in that room and they're, you yeah. know, kind of just getting their head around having been away because it's a long time. Just like for kids, it's a long 100%. time to be out of your routine.
1: Well, I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's absolutely true. It's like psychologically preparing them for what's to come, setting up their classroom, knowing you know which kids are in the in the class. I mean. In the same way that teachers have certain reputations, certain kids have reputations yeah, yeah. as well. You know, it's like, oh, I got never, Johnny I on him. the list. I've heard about I, exactly. him. Exactly. Had his
0: brother and he it's, was a hell raiser.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, reminding the teacher that every personality is different mm-hmm. and some people connect and, and others don't. So... Uh, and, you know, it depends on the age of the, of the children that they're teaching as well. But, yeah, just to, again, normalize their experience. And it is normalized just by being with other teachers and knowing that everybody experiences those emotions.
0: More back-to-school conversation with Sarah Dimmerman after this short break. You're listening to The Live Drive with John Torrey on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I'm speaking with Sarah Durham, she is, of course, somebody well-known to you, because we talk to her every Monday at this time. She's a psychologist, and she's a counselor, and she uh, works on the Internet to sort of provide advice to people about dealing with kind of day-to-day relationship issues and also things like going back to school, just dealing with day-to-day realities. A uh, couple of things I might just ask you for a little bit of a, almost a short refresher for people who are listening. Um, if the kids go back, and, you know, we do know that kids of all ages, and maybe the more cruel is the, as they get older, are capable of cruelty, and, of course, some of it then sort of trespasses into bullying. Right. Um, and if that starts off early, you know, maybe even a continuation of something that happened, you know, last year, right. uh, when the kids go back to school this week, uh, What, what, uh, what, what is your advice to the parents when the kid comes home and tells them a story that the first yeah. day has not gone well yeah. uh, because of that kind of an incident? We won't call it bullying, but we'll call it something that may be Teasing approaching that. Yeah, anything. that sort of thing.
1: Well, you, you raised a good point in terms of, um, you know, continuing from last year. And, of course, the kids that were bullied or teased last year will probably be more anxious beginning again because they anticipate that's going to happen again. Um, some parents will will preempt that by talking to the principal, for example, and requesting that those kids are not back in the same classroom. And sometimes that will help. But often, as we know, kids will wait until they're on the playground to start to tease or, or bully one another. So, uh, I mean, the, the, most of the schools have really great restorative practice type of programs in place now, you know, zero tolerance for bullying and are really on the ball in terms of making sure that that isn't happening. So the the hard part is that often kids will not want parents to go and talk to the teachers or to the principal because they feel that that's going to make their life even worse once the bully finds out about it. But um, I think that it, it is our responsibility as parents that if our children are being mistreated or being teased to try to figure out what to do about it. And it's not necessarily that um, that the the story, there's always different sides to a story. So, you know, your child may be uh, victim-like and put him or herself in that position. Um, it may not always be as bad as, as what's being presented, but I think it's important for parents to try and get to the bottom of it, and whether that means, you know, talking more to your child or going into the school, talking to the teacher, talking to the principal, and trying to figure out a solution to the problem is always important. And, of course, you know it sounds logical but just making sure that you keep the lines of communication open and if your children are coming to you with problems with with peers and they don't want you to go and talk to anybody else you know you can say to them that as a parent it's my responsibility to make that you make sure that you're safe and i want to make sure that you can come to come to me and talk to me comfortably without fear that i will go behind your back and talk But let's find a way that you're comfortable with me addressing this problem with you so that everybody's needs can be taken care of.
0: I'll continue my conversation with Sarah Dimmerman about back to school day in just a moment. You are listening to The Live Drive with John Torrey on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Now back to my conversation with Sarah Dimmerman on kids and the school year, which, of course, starts tomorrow. All right, one more, uh, and that is uh, kids, and of course it happens, I, I know from looking again at my grandchildren, who are five and three, right. uh, that uh, they get onto the iPad or get onto the iPhone, it's unbelievable, and they right. become sort of hooked on it right away, even at that right. age, but what about the the kids, and I'm talking perhaps more here about kids that are a bit older, 12, 13, 14, 15, right. 16, who are, you know, sort of back on the technology which they will claim they have to be on to do yeah. their homework, which in many cases is actually true, right. but they're really, you know, focused on playing games and so on, yeah. and maybe break, having to break themselves out of a routine they've got into over the summer when they didn't have to yeah. uh, do anything uh, constructive on their iPad. Yeah. What, what do you, how do you deal with that if you're a parent?
1: Oh, God, John, you know, this could take us two hours. I mean, technology has changed families' lives. And I think that parents contend with this issue during the summertime, as Mm -hmm. you said, where. Yeah, you want them to be outside in the summer as opposed to
0: sitting in playing something on an iPad. But, uh,
1: you know, whether they're playing games, as you said, with Mm. your grandchildren three and five, or whether they're on, uh, you know, social media or Facebook or whatever, talking to friends, it's an ongoing concern. And as you said, the bigger problem becomes when you know that they're having to. Focus on schoolwork or they're saying that they're typing up something or working on notes or you know uh, taking notes or, or writing out notes that they th- from a, a course earlier on, and really they're so adept at switching from one screen I've to the other it. that I you used don't to show really up know. in the doorway we had a
0: room where the computer was in right. those days, and I used to just show up at the door like it would just sort of appear there yeah. and you could see this very fast exactly. you know hitting of one key and all of a sudden right. there'd be some other thing on the and, screen and
1: you don't really have a clue and you don't even know how to get back to that screen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a it's a huge issue. It's it's one that I addressed in a podcast on my site, actually, about how technology has changed families. What's that, sides. the URL, the website the, address? Uh, the helpmesara.com. Help so they can go there and find yeah, this. I did that with Mark Saltzman, mm-hmm. who's a tech expert. Sure. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about tips for parents in terms of dealing with this mm-hmm. issue. So parents may want to listen to but that. But on the
0: sort of the, but, what I'll call the relationship issue, which right. is, you know, how do you assert yourself without creating World War Three about saying, look, you just can't be goofing around playing games with this iPad yeah. now because you're back back in school and you got stuff to do.
1: But you know, it's not a matter of you can't because children will do things behind our backs. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I've always felt that if you're going to sit down with your kids, kind of to preempt what might happen, you want to kind of draw up some kind of a casual contract with them. Mm-hmm. And I always think that having them draw up the contract is a lot better as opposed to you assigning the guidelines. So recently my 14-year-old convinced us that she was going to purchase a TV for her room and it took us a long time to get to that but I actually before we before she made the purchase with her own money Did you money, cave on that one? Well, you can call it caving. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> no, but I mean true. I, I, I wouldn't
0: mean... have. I mean, you see, when we were going to school, we had a no TV rule in the house. And, right. of course, the greatest example of kind of, uh, of of total misconduct, civil insurrection we could engage in would be when my mom and dad were out. Right. We would sneak and watch TV and think we'd really got away with something. Yeah. But we never would have been allowed to have a TV in our rooms because TV was viewed at that time as being evil. Today, but, like computer listen, games might be. I grew be.
1: up in South Africa where we didn't have TV till I was 15. So I know what it's like not to have TV. And, you know, but but so I said to her, my biggest concerns were that you were going to sit in your room and watch TV when the rest of us are hanging out in the living room or that you're going to be up until one o'clock in the morning watching TV. I said, I need to be convinced that you're going to be, that you're responsible and old enough to handle this responsibility. And so she wrote down a number of, of things in terms of, and it can be the same with a computer. Sure, sort of a protocol, saying, um, I'll play it
0: an hour a day and that's right. it. And but uh, that she
1: wrote it down mm-hmm, in her handwriting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't typed up because then she could say it wasn't her. Exactly. She wrote it in her handwriting, she signed it, and she's had it for about a month now. And I'm pleased to say that so far, so good. I mean, things could change. But the same with computers. I mean, it's it's so much a part of our lives. They have it even in the schools. It's so hard to get around it. I wish that I had better tips to give parents. It's a really tough one. But I think talking about it in advance and setting up some guidelines in advance is probably better than just saying get off, because as parents we we nag our children about that all the time. Well, and
0: we don't know, you know, how much they're having to be on the computer right. to actually do their work. I right. mean, nowadays there's very little work you do from school that didn't involve the computer in Absolutely.
1: some way. Absolutely, I mean, it's a mandatory thing. It's a it's a tool as much as a uh, pen and pencil were for us when we were growing up at school.
0: Well, I guess we all we can do is wish all the teachers and the parents and the kids yes. uh, a good day tomorrow and a good for day sure. for the rest of this year. And uh, it is an anxious time. Do you see your business, your your clientele go up at this time of year because there are these various stresses and strains absolutely. You know, coming out of what I, I look at it almost as the beginning of the new year, not January 1st, but sort of yeah. September the 1st? Yes,
1: yeah, uh, the, the, tri- the biggest transition is uh, beginning of school year and then beginning of summer. And I always see a peak in my practice around those times, you know, um, and absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, anxiety is always number one on the list of what parents come and talk to me about with their kids. But school anxiety, separation anxiety, even, you know, going off to university for the first time or going into high school, you know, fear of getting lost. I mean, there's there's anything that ranges from small fears to huge panic attacks that I've heard kids have been having. So, yeah. I have those
0: every day before I come to work.
1: Well, I'm sure you see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't really. I think about it. Sarah Dierman has been with us as she often is on Mondays at this time. She's a psychologist and author. She's a mom to two daughters. You heard her talking about that. You can find her on the internet at helpmeSarah.com or on Twitter at helpmeSarah. Thank you very much, and good luck to everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. That's all the time we have for now. For those of you who are driving, please drive safely. We'll, of course, talk to you again on Tuesday. Tomorrow, when we'll be here from 4 to 7 with the regular weekday edition of the Live Drive, we'll have a visit from the top man at the Toronto International Film Festival, Pierce Handling. Yes, it's film festival time, so there's good news even though summer seems to be drawing to a close. Thanks to Drew Garner and Lindsay Vanstone for their help putting together this show. And thank you very much for listening. John Tory, bye for now.